Welcome to the Calvary Chapel South Bay Sermon Podcast. We are a large, multi-ethnic, multi-generational church in Los Angeles, California, and we'd love to have you visit us for a service if you're in the L.A. area. Visit ccsouthbay.org to learn more about us and to find out service times. If you have any questions, shoot us an email at hello at ccsouthbay.org. Enjoy today's sermon, and we hope to see you at church soon. We're going to be in a few areas of Scripture today, and so if you would open your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 5, Ephesians 5, Mark chapter 12, John 13, and Romans 12. Once again, you'll see it on the screen, Ephesians chapter 5. Usually I only give three or two or three, but today, because you're the double dippers, you get four. Mark chapter 12, John chapter 13, and Romans chapter 12. Let me say we are starting Sunday nights at South Bay, going through the Song of Solomon coming this Sunday night. I can't believe it's here already. I've been announcing it since Christmas. And so we are looking forward to being together with you on Sunday nights. Can you believe Easter is right around the corner? How many of you are just paying off the debt of Christmas? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. You're not supposed to get in debt, okay? Uh, But Easter is right around the corner, and uh, we are looking forward to welcoming so many people here uh, as we uh, celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Can you believe I'm already talking about Easter? And the reason I am is Thursday nights. Listen up. You guys got to pray. And I need my Thursday night crew to be in prayer. We're experiencing a little bit of spiritual warfare in regards to Easter. And I'm asking, and it's no big deal in the sense of uh, we're, we're looking for a venue for our sunrise morning service. And we were just denied from San Pedro. And so, um, uh, maybe I shouldn't have said the city name, but if you so happen to live there... As you're driving through, maybe around Cabrillo Beach, maybe you'll throw out some really heavy prayer requests. Amen? Um, So if you would just be in prayer, because we believe God wants to do something supernatural. And with supernatural comes supernatural war. And so Thursday nights, would you go to war with us? And would you pull, pull out your spiritual armor, and would you supercharge it with prayer? Amen? Amen. All right, why don't we go to the Lord in prayer again as we prepare our hearts. Father, we're so thankful that you've given us your word. We really are. We are overwhelmed that we can have a conversation with you and that you speak to us. Text message from heaven. You're better than iPhone. And we're just so thankful, Lord, that tonight we get to learn something so important. And we ask now that you'd be glorified in Jesus' name. We are continuing our series, Glorifying God Together Through Life. It's a vision statement of my life that I believe the Lord has for His church. And so glorifying God together through life. L, learning the word. I, investing into relationships. Can I tell you how much I love you guys? No, for real. I love, okay, I will. I love seeing you at church. I love seeing you at Ralph's. I love seeing you at Vaughn's. I love seeing you at Smart and Final. 
I love seeing you at CVS. I love seeing you when I go out for dinner. I just love seeing you. And all of you, you'll come and see me in the public, and it'll be like a shock and surprise. I eat. I want you to know that. I love to eat. So if you're at a restaurant, I'll probably be there one day. And the truth of the matter is, I love seeing you because I love being in relation with you. But what's so funny is, some of you, when you come to me, I'm so sorry to bother you. I'm a pastor. If you bother me, that's a problem. You're not bothering me. I love when you come up. I love, in fact, when my kids were growing up, we used to have a game. Um, and Calvary Chapel, Fort Lauderdale was a church of 25,000 people. And so everywhere we went, we would find someone that knew us. So my kids used to play a game, let's bet who knows dad. And they will go, I bet four tonight. I bet six tonight. I bet ten tonight. And then they'd have, there was no money involved. Relax, I was not teaching my children gambling. It was just a fun family thing to do. And everywhere we went, there was Calvary, Fort Lauderdale people. And that's what I love about South Bay. There are you everywhere. No matter if I go to Bakersfield, you're there. (laughs) I love it because I love being in relationship with you. You know what I love the best thing about relationship with you is? When I say that I love Pancet, Filipino Pancet, I will get vats. For the Super Bowl, we didn't just have a bowl of Pancet. We had a display of Pancet. If I mention that I love Kit Kats, I have Kit Kats to last me through the rest of my life. My life. It was only a couple weeks ago I told you about an English-British chocolate bar called Crunchy. They showed up at my desk. I have no idea how you found them. But they were on my desk. I've got crunchies coming out of my ears. I love our relationship. I mentioned chicharrones. For the Super Bowl, I got bags of it. And not like the, the kind you buy from the grocery store. I got chicharrones. I got the kind that just came from the pig. Like, I mean, I got the kind they were still warm. I love you. So I've decided every Sunday I'm going to bring up a new food. I am. Because I trust you in relationship with me that you so know my heart that if I was to happen to mention Almond Joy's, Just saying. (laughs) You're in relationship with me. And I'm in relationship with you. Let me tell you why. Relationships are important to God because He's a relational God. He's a relational God. It goes all the way back to the beginning with Adam. If you will remember... While after Adam was created, God created a garden for Adam to watch him make it and then put Adam in it. God's first expression to Adam was an act of kindness because love is kind. He put Adam in the garden. 
And while Adam was there and he was naming the cows, moo, I don't know how he came up with all these names, saw the kangaroo jumping and saw the giraffe. I want to let you know, he wasn't attracted to any of them. So when a girl giraffe walked by, he didn't say to himself, oh, she's pretty. Something was missing in the garden. And God wanted Adam to realize it. And God said, Adam, listen, it's not good for man to be alone. What you feel is alone. And I'm a relational God. So what God did was after Adam was created, he made Eve. And Eve was an opportunity for God to disciple Adam. Not Eve discipling Adam. No, Eve was an illustration. Eve was an opportunity. Eve was the perfect way for God to say, it's not good for you to be alone. I'm giving you Eve. Because God's a relational God. For all of eternity, I need to let you know, he's existed as the triune God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Did you hear that? The very language that God uses to introduce himself is relational. Father, Son. We've been made in the image of God. That's why relationships should be important to us because relationships are important to God. Relations are very important. I'll never forget. Her name was Angela. This was way before Andrea. I didn't meet Andrea until college. Her name was Angela. Everybody wanted to date Angela. And she just so happened to live eight houses down from me. And we were in middle school. And remember in middle school, we, well, when I was in middle school, we didn't have Instagram. All right? We didn't have Facebook. We didn't have any social media outlet. Okay? We had conversation face-to-face. It was just the way that it was. We didn't have text messages, so I actually couldn't message her. I had to walk, get some exercise, (laughs) walk eight eight houses down and knock on her door. And do you remember what we used to say? It just came right out of me. I was so excited. She answers the door, and I just said, Angela, will you go out with me? (laughs) No. I'm in eighth grade. Where am I taking her? I can't drive. I never understood what is, what does it mean? Now, those of you that aren't as old as I am, you're probably like wondering, what does it mean to go out with someone? It's like pressing the little button in relationship on Instagram or whatever. I don't even know if they have that on Instagram. Probably dating myself with that. Now, listen, I said, will you go out with me? And she just stood there shocked. She said, yes. I almost died. And then she said, Just don't tell anybody. I could care less. I won't tell a soul. I was like skippity doo dah day, all about eight houses down. Like, woohoo! I'm going out with Angela. I don't know what that meant. I was so excited that I was going out with Angela until I found out why she didn't want anyone to know. She was already going out with Freddie. Freddie. He was the football of a football star in eighth grade. (laughs) She was a cheerleader. He was going out with her. So was I. (laughs) I just couldn't tell anybody. I was devastated. 
I was... No. Because Freddie had a football. He asked me if I beat Freddie up. No. Freddie had a football team on his side, and I didn't play football. Okay? I was a scrawny little swimmer. Now, I know these days you find out by your social media post. Press a button, and a relationship begins. You click something, and a relationship is over. But I want you to know, even though I was so devastated, because I'm made to be relational, and so are you, it didn't end my desire for relationships. It actually taught me who I wanted and who I didn't want. And all of that helped me find my wife. Listen, whose birthday is today? Here we go. Happy Some of you don't join the choir. Happy birthday to you. Woo! Birthday, dear Andrea. Happy birthday to you. I'm looking over to make sure she was okay with that. She so does not like any of that. Because the truth of the matter is this. Listen, you guys. All of us want to feel loved. All of us want to feel accepted. All of us want to feel embraced. It's innate in us because we've been made in the image of God who's relational. Now, this relational issue is so important to me. I want everyone that walks inside this church... I don't care if it's their first time or they've been here for 30 years. That when they walk inside of here, they feel loved. They feel embraced. They feel accepted. I want, if you see someone sitting in this sanctuary by themselves, that you walk over there and you make them feel loved, embraced, and accepted because that's who God is. And we are to represent the Lord. I'll never forget when I walked into Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. Brooklyn Tabernacle. We went to go hear the choir. You couldn't even hear yourself think in the sanctuary because people were walking up and hugging and high-fiving and everybody was being relational. It looked like the image of God in the church. Someone say, Amen. First church, they understood this well. In fact, in Acts chapter 2, they were known for it. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42, the Bible says this, and they continued steadfastly. Let me give you in a little common English. They devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. Now this word, I'm going to stop there if you would. This word, fellowship, we know what it means. It's koinonia. It's an intimate connection between family. Now, you might say this church is large, but let me tell you, you always sit there, and you always sit there, and you always sit here, and this right here could be your little church. You could actually know their names. You could find out where they work. You could be in prayer for them. You can find, if they're not here, you can give them a call. Hey, didn't see you. Are you feeling okay? Can I deliver a meal? Don't look at the amount of pews in this auditorium and think this is a large church. Look at the person sitting next to you and tell them your name and get to know them. Go ahead. Give it a shot. Go ahead. Tell them. 
Victoria, say hello to the person behind you. Okay, how many feel weird? Okay, I want this to stop. You're letting it go a little bit too long. I only come to hear the Bible study. Really? We come to learn the Word of God, to live the Word of God. And if the Word of God makes you feel uncomfortable, who's got the problem? You see, when Jesus taught us how to pray, he said to pray like this, Our Father. Do you know what Our Father, by introducing prayer like that, makes us? Family. He's our father. That means you're my brother or you're my sister. You could be the weird uncle, but you're in the family. You could be the crazy aunt, but you're still in the family. He was expressing the very nature of our existence when he said our father, because we're family. So we've got to answer the question, how can we glorify God together by investing into relationships. What does that look like? Take a look with me, if you would, at the screen at 1 John. It's going to be the basis of our study. 1 John chapter 4. Beloved. Beloved. Let us love one another. For love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Power statement. Everyone who loves is born of God. So you're born again, and the proof of it is that you love and knows God. He who does not love, you're bitter, angry, resentful, come in with a frown on your face, does not know God. Because God is a big bundle of relationship. Love. I added that. It was the Amplified Chet version. So we're going to take a look at love because it displays for us what relationships should look like. And we're going to break it down, L-O-V-E. Let's take a look at that first word, beloved. Beloved, let us love one another. Beloved. This word alone defines the reasons to why we invest in relationships because it defines us. We are the beloved. It's such a beautiful word. Listen to the word. Agapete. Now you might hear agape, but it's not agape. It comes from agape, which is the unconditional love of God. But the word is agapete. In Spanish, you have your grandmother, abuela. But if you really love her and you're in relationship with her, you call her Abuelita. And sometimes it's Lita. Because something happens to grandma when she becomes Abuelita. I have an Abuelita here at Calvary Chapel South Bay. She makes me chocolate chip cookies. She was Abuela. But as soon as she made me chocolate chip... (laughs) Soon as she made me chocolate chip cookies, Abuelita. She wrote me a note. She wrote me a note. She didn't call me hijo. She called me hijito. (laughs) Something special happened in the relationship. You see, it makes the word agape, agapete, more meaningful. It makes it more directed. It makes it toward a specific individual that you care so deeply about, beloved. 
This word was so important to the first church, and let me tell you why. You remember Jesus' baptism? Do you remember what his father said? This is my beloved, my son, in whom I am well pleased. And the first church wanted to be like God. So they heard God speak to his son, and they spoke to everybody else in the same way. God was saying, this is my hijito. He's my heart. He's my love. Imagine how this made Jesus feel. You're coming up out of the water. Me, hijito, me, hijito. I can't even do it good. Rosa, do it for me. There we go. Sorry. I love you so much. You know that. Rosita. <laughs> Pastor Cito, I love it. Something happens when we're in relationship. Something happens. And when Jesus was attacked by the Pharisees in John chapter 5, do you know what he said to the Pharisees? I'm going to sum it up in the Chet Amplified Version. He said this, Do you think I care what you're saying about me? I'm loved by my Father. It gave him security. It gave him a feeling that I'm invincible because my Father loves me. If there's anything a parent can do to their child is look at them and say, You are my beloved. I love you because you're mine. And this is how everyone in the body of Christ is to feel. They're to feel embraced. They're to feel surrounded in love, accepted. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, take a look at verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. Ephesians 5 verse 1. And walk in love. So be like God and walk in love as Christ also loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Walk in love like Christ did. It's going to be sacrificial. It's going to cost us something. There's going to be an offering about it if we're going to choose to love the way that Jesus loved. So, how does God make us feel? When you go to God in prayer, does he look at his phone? When you're engaging with God, don't you want to be in the throne room where it's face to face? And how many of us in conversations out in the lobby and we're shaking someone's hand, but we're looking out over here? Isn't there something wonderful when someone is looking you eye to eye? Never forget, I was talking with a pastor, most difficult conversation I've ever had in my life. I was teaching in a men's retreat with this pastor. And he was debating about whether or not he wanted to adopt a child. And I said to him, Pastor so-and-so, what part of true religion is taking care of widows and orphans don't you understand? Your wife has it on her heart to adopt a child, and you're debating with God as to whether it's the right thing or not. While I'm having this conversation with him, in depth, there are two guys who are obviously never camped in their life. They're on a canoe, and they are paddling this canoe. One of them decides, in all of his wisdom, to stand up while they're in a canoe. Okay? A canoe. You don't stand in canoes. 
Well, the next thing you know, in the middle of this heartfelt conversation, he goes over, the canoe goes over, they are now on top of the canoe, totally freaked out. And, Pastor, you have got to adopt this child. And I'm seeing all of this happen on the other side. Well, all of a sudden, about five minutes into the conversation, he looks behind me and he sees this chaos in the water. And he says, are you watching this? And I said, I'm trying not to. (laughs) He goes, how are you having this kind of conversation with me? You're looking at me face to face and you're not distracted by this. Here's what I said to him. Because you are important to me. And I'm talking to you. And the devil is trying to distract me. Tears dropped from his eyes. And I realized at that point, this doesn't make anyone feel loved, embraced, and accepted. Church, I need to let you know what the first L looks like. Love looks like God. When we love, it will look like God to the world. Now, because we're in relationship, that's just the first point, and I'm 25 minutes in, so pray that we can get through. (laughs) Beloved, he says, let us love one another. Let us love one another. This is a directive for us to obey, and it leads us to the second letter O. O stands for obedience to Jesus. If we're going to be and invest into relationship, we're going to have to be obedient to Jesus. Even Jesus said, if you love me in John 14, obey my commandments. The way that we show our love relationship with Jesus is we do what he's asking us to do. And the beauty of his directive is that there are only two commandments to obey. The rest of them are summed up in two commandments. Turn with me to Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12, I ask you to keep your finger there. We're going to pick it up in verse 28. Let me explain the scene. The Pharisees are out to get Jesus. They have met all night long in a debrief and a debate, and they are wanting to bring Jesus down. And they want to do it publicly. Because they want to denounce the ministry of Jesus. We've been studying the Gospel of Mark because Jesus has been debunking their doctrine and it's affecting their pocket. That was the problem. The Pharisees were running a mafia and Jesus is ending the mafia in the temple and the Pharisees want to bring Jesus down because he's affecting their pocket. So the lawyers come to interrogate Jesus. That was one group. And they interrogated him publicly. They were hoping to catch him in a quandary. So they asked him a political question about paying taxes to Caesar. Jesus rocked the boat with his answer. So then another group comes by. They asked him a religious question about a controversial religious subject at the time, the resurrection. People do this to me all the time in the lobby, and you can sense it. Hey, Pastor Chet, I'm so thankful you're here. Now, what you said, I have a question about it. I call them question quirks. And they start with flattery. 
like Nicodemus. Everyone knows you're such a great pastor, Jesus. And everyone can't tell but the great work that you're doing. And they'll come, but they've really got, they've really got an axe to grind. And they'll come and they'll ask a question. And I need to let you know, something happens in my spirit. Like, here we go. <laughs> something begins to tick in me like, Okay, lock and load. If you're ready, so am I. You think you know more of the Bible? Come on, I'll give you some scriptures. You know. <laughs> okay, I was a little too honest. Now, Jesus was so unlike me. He answered so lovingly and so wisely. He said, listen, render to Caesar the things that belong to Caesar and render to God the things that belong to God. He said, listen, this question about the resurrection, you don't know the scriptures. He's not the God of the dead, but of the living. He says, you're quite wrong. Just matter of fact, he's not going to go into the control battle with them. His heart was to win them over. One of the guys who had been set up to set Jesus up, he's listening to the answer to these questions, and he's realizing, Jesus is smart. Like I am up against a formidable foe. But as he's listening to the answers that Jesus is giving, something is happening in his heart. It's like, do you know when I'm teaching a sermon and you think your wife called me? Or you think like your children called? Or you think, no, it's the Holy Spirit. He calls me on a regular basis. And it's not your wife. It's not your husband. So don't go home upset with them. But you sense something in your heart like, oh, this message is for me. That's what was happening to the scribe. Something was happening in his heart at the word of Jesus. So he comes with a question, and take a look what his question is in verse 28. Which is the first commandment of all? That's his question. In other words, what's the most important commandment? It's Jesus. He answered it. The first of all the commandments is, verse 29, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, The Lord is one. In other words, hey, hey, everyone in the temple, listen up. He gets everyone's attention. Says this. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second like it is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. I want you to be in relationship with God. And I want you to be in relationship with each other. Love God. Love others. That's it. Only two. Everything else is surmised in those two commandments. Scribe, listen, he was blown away. He was blown away. Scribe goes, you've answered well. And Jesus looks at him and says, you're not far from the kingdom of God. Jesus was loving his enemy. You see, though the scribe was out to get Jesus, Jesus was out to get the scribe. And look at the kind of love we're talking about. Jesus knows that this guy wants to bring him down. He knows that this guy wants to see him dead. And Jesus 
He's still loving him. Could you think about the person that you're upset with right now? Because they hurt you. This is important. Because loving this kind of way, investing into relationships this kind of way, can get messy. We're human. We're human. That's why we must regard, let us love one another as obedience to a command. It is not an option to consider. Because there are some times in the lobby that I make a decision to obey God and love and disrespect my feelings. Obedience to love is better than the feeling of love. Take a look at the first church. It's Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2. This is a bonus round, so let's not, don't worry about going there. In Revelation chapter 2, Jesus is speaking to the church in Ephesus, and he says to them, you are such a great church. Like, (laughs) you serve, you have a homeless ministry, your services are unbelievable. I mean, he goes on and on about how incredible they are. He goes, I got one thing against you. You forgot your first love. You're doing so much for me that you forgot all about me. And the very next thing Jesus does is this, I'm done with you. We're done. Okay, that's not what he does. Some of you were now turning, that's not what Jesus does, is it? No, that's not what he does. He doesn't say that. He says, you forgot your first love. He's pleading with them. I want to be in relationship with you despite you forgetting about me. I'm pursuing you. That's Jesus. Do you remember the Son of Thunder? 99 years old. He was at the church of Ephesus. One of his disciples, right of him, John John the Apostle. People used to always walk up to 99-year-old John. Just imagine he's been boiled in oil, exiled on the island of Patmos. He wasn't looking too pretty, okay? And people would walk up to this 99-year-old man all the time in the church of Ephesus, and they would ask him, Hello, John. He would look at him. Let us love one another. So finally, one young fellow asked him one day and said to him, it's a true story, church history. A young fellow came up and asked him, and said, John, why do you always say, let us love one another? And John looked at him and said, if that be done, it's enough. It's enough. You see, loving others is our expression of our love for God. The two, love God, love others, they go hand in hand. You can't say you love God and hate your brother. Investing in relationships is obedience because sometimes it can be messy. People can hurt us. They can say things. They can do things. Remember John? If anyone understood, it was John. John was called the son of thunder. You know why? Because when the Samaritans wouldn't let them rent a hotel room in Samaria, John came up with the great idea, let's bring fire down from heaven and burn them all. Burn them all! And it would only be about a year later that Jesus would send John to that Samaritan village and a revival would break out. That son of thunder became the apostle of love because he realized relationships are important to God. Now, letter V. The Bible says, Beloved, let, let us love one another, for love is 
from God. Love is from God. You see, he is defined by love. In fact, the Bible says God is love. And that's our V because he's defined by love. We should be defined by love. Letter V, it's our virtue as believers. Turn with me to John chapter 13. John chapter 13. Turn there with me if you would. John's gospel, chapter 13. We're going to pick it up in verse 34. You'll see it on the screen. John chapter 13, verse 34. Bible says, and maybe you'll underline this verse, a new commandment, Jesus is speaking, red letters, I give to you, that you love one another as I've loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you're my disciples, if this is your virtue, loving one another, if it's your motto, if it's your plea, if it's your flag, if it's your banner. Jesus describes the virtue for all believers. And he calls it a new commandment. Now, we need to understand something. This is not a new commandment. It goes all the way back to Leviticus 19. Love your neighbor. Love God. You can read it right there in Leviticus 19. So then why does he say, I give you a new commandment? Well, go back with me and maybe you'll underline this. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another. As I have loved you. There's the newness. See, the Jews had made their own definition of love. They had decided what it means to love God. The love toward God was what they could do for him, not what he had already done for them. Their love was based on their own definition. And can I say that the church itself is in danger of this? And we tell God, this is how we'll love. Now, we'll love them, but we won't love them. And we may have created an us and them mentality between us and the world when God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And that neighbor that has those parties, oh gosh, they keep me up all night long. You can't possibly want me to love them. What if he asked you to die for him? He asked Jesus to do it for you. You see, as a virtue, it's what we hold to no matter what. Okay. Someone really hurt me last year. Can I be pastor for a minute? We're family. Really hurt me. Like to my core. It took me months to get to a place to love my enemy. To pray for them. To ask the Lord to bless them and do good to them. I know this is hard. I know holding this as a virtue is a challenge. I'm in it with you. And I have found the only way that I can love is to die to myself and let Jesus love through me. Loving this kind of way is messy. Jesus, here in the last moments of his life, 
He's telling the disciples to love one another as he's loved. Earlier in John chapter 13, John writes a testimony of Jesus and said, He loved us. He loved us. Us pitiful disciples who were always willing to desert him. He loved us to the end. Now, I wonder what they were thinking. Love. Okay, love the way that you've loved. All right, I remember when you had compassion on the 5,000. We were a little tired. We learned that lesson. Okay, you loved them. We wanted a vacation. I get it. Okay, uh, we can love that way. Maybe they were thinking about his expression of love to the woman who was caught in adultery and thrown at his feet. And instead of throwing a stone, he reached down and wrote in the sand. And I'm sure he lifted her up. Maybe they were thinking about the kind of risk that he took talking to a Samaritan woman there in John chapter 4. Jesus didn't leave him guessing for too long. If you'll just flip a page, John chapter 15, he defines what love is. John chapter 15, we'll pick it up in verse 12. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. Wow. This kind of love, the kind of sacrifice that you're asking is that I lay down my life, that I actually die to myself and allow you to love through me? That's the Christian life. And it leads us to our final letter, the letter E. This love should be evident in our life. This kind of love should be evident in our life. I ask you, final area, to turn to Romans chapter 12. Would you turn there with me? Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, the letter E, this kind of love should be evident in our life. Let's start out with verse 9. Romans chapter 12, look at verse 9. Let love be without hypocrisy. If you have the ESV version, it says, and that's the equally spiritual version. Okay? Romans chapter 12. I can't believe you just said that. I'm a new King James only person. Love me. That was a test. Let love be genuine. See, the beauty of his direction is that he explains to us in detail how to make this kind of love evident in our life. Jesus tells us we have to lay down our love. The kind of love I'm looking for is to lay down your life. Paul lets us know, okay, let's let it be genuine. So let's backtrack a little bit and understand the kind of love chapter. Because I know we all look at 1 Corinthians 13 as the love chapter because it's the ushy-gushy kind of love. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is gentle. This is the feet-to-faith kind of love, Romans chapter 12. Romans 12 should be called the love chapter. This is what should be read at all weddings, not 1 Corinthians 13, because this is the reality after the honeymoon. Romans, take a look, Romans chapter. Pastor Pat, we should do a series in Romans 12 for marriage ministry. I think that was from the Lord. Romans chapter 12, take a look. I beseech you, therefore, brethren... By the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. You see, Jesus said, lay your life down. Paul coins a term, and he says, living sacrifice. 
holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. You see what he says? The first thing, the first thing is to make the words of Christ evident in your life. And he said this, this kind of love expressed, laying down your life, Paul calls living sacrifice. Do you realize this love is so messy It is only a selfless act that you will be able to experience the good, perfect, and pleasing will of God. And since I have started praying for the blessing of the people that hurt me, I'm free. And I'm experiencing the good and the pleasing and the perfect will of God. The reason why Jesus sets us up with hard scripture is to set us free. Truth sets us free. Take a look at verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You see, secondly, he says, you need to learn the way of his love by renewing your mind. Now, renewing your mind means washing out the world and putting in the word. It's a word brain washing. We all need Tide Bible. And it's new and improved. And when you put it in the washing machine, it gets rid of all of the dirt from the world and the way the world has taught you to love. You see... The kind of love that we need to learn is from the Word of God. Let me explain. How many of you would come up with go the second mile? Like, if someone forces you to go two miles. That's what the Bible says. Roman law. Someone forces you to go one mile. So if a Roman soldier came and said, you carry this load. That's why Simeon carried the cross up to the cross. It was Roman law. He had to carry the cross up. If a Roman soldier said, carry this cross, you were forced to carry it for one mile. So Jesus says, listen to this. I know what the Romans say. Go one mile. And everyone's in the crowd going, ooh, what's he going to say? This is political. I love it. Jesus dealt with politics. And he said, if someone forced you to go one mile, he didn't call the Romans out. He just said it like it was. And everybody knew it was Roman law. And they're all waiting. He then said this, go two. Excuse me? No Jew would have thought of that around that time. This was unbelievable. But this is the truth of the word of God. The Jews hated the Romans, but Jesus was saying, love them. Go the second mile with them. Sacrifice your energy. Sacrifice your time. Sacrifice your effort. Because if you walk four, two miles, you've got to walk two miles back. Do you know how long it takes to walk four miles? Jesus is saying, give them your time, energy, sacrifice. This is a different way of thinking. If someone loans money, don't expect it back. Are you kidding me, a Jew? No, don't expect it back. Pay me double. That's why Zacchaeus' mentality was, I'll give back four times. Because he knew the Jews. He knew none of them would forgive him if he just paid back the money. This was unbelievable. It was a new way. Now, we've got 2,000 years of church history uh, 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 go the second mile, but they didn't. And the way that we learn Scripture is then the way we need to live, no matter how we feel about it, because it's our virtue. And we're to let it be evident in us. 
Take a look at verse 3, if you would. For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you. Now remember, this is the love chapter. Not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members of one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. Prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it to, in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Here's what Jesus is saying. We're part of a body. The liver can't say to the stomach, I don't like you anymore and I'm going to stop working. And the stomach can't say to the eyeball, I'm no longer digesting. Try to make it on your own. The small intestines can't say to the large intestines, I am not passing you any more information. If one part of the body breaks down, the body begins to die. And what he's saying here is, I have given each one in the body a gift. Love one another to bless each other with them. Because if you aren't in relationship and using your gifts with each other, the body begins to die. Now let me tell you something about our pastoral staff. Lester, he has the gift of encouragement. He's like a teddy bear. Every time I see him, I want to hold him and squeeze him, Pastor Lester. He just brings me so much peace. Pastor Rob, he's a traffic light. No, no, in a good way. Oh, come on. Just because you run traffic lights doesn't mean you run Pastor Rob. No, what I'm saying is, Pastor Rob has the gift of leadership. He knows when to tell you to go. He knows when to tell you to stop. He knows the exact moment of where to go here and where to go there. Pastor Zach, he's an engineer. He actually speaks Chet. He translates me to the whole body. What Chet meant was this. I said all the time, you speak Chetanese. You are able to communicate and you are able to put the pieces together like a Lego and you are able to make it happen because he's got the gift of administration. And Andrea, oh, she's like a beanbag. You just jump in her and you just feel all hugged and loved and just so, like she's just, and she's like that all the time. It's her birthday. You should read what her children are saying about her. I'm like, I wish my kids would say that about me. But Andrea's got the gift of mercy. So when, you ju- when, when, when you're around Andrea, you feel like you're just surrounded by love. And God has put us all together not to compete with each other, but to complement each another. In fact, he said, wherever two or more are there, there I am in the midst. Two look better than one as far as Jesus is concerned because we're in relationship. Finally, I want to close with this, and this is why we need to make this the love chapter. Look at verse 9. Let love be without hypocrisy. Listen, lovers, abhor what's evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. When you walk into this church building, every person should feel like they've just jumped into a beanbag of love. In honor, 
Give preference to one another. No, you go ahead. No, you go ahead. No, you go ahead. Oh, you can have this seat. Oh, I know I sit there every week. It's okay that you sat, that sat there. No, really. <laughs> it's okay because love is an obedient thing. It's not the way I feel right now. I always sit there, but go, <laughs> you go ahead. Love you. Not lagging in diligence. Do you need a meal? I'll bring it today. I'll bring it today. No, no, no. I'll bring it today. Chicharrones on the way. <laughs> Fervent in spirit. Hey, we're at church. So happy to be here. So glad to be here. So thankful that you're here. Hey, it's fellowship time. I'm not just going to sit there just like this. Oh, someone's going to come over and say, hello. They got cooties. That's not fervent. That's fear. Serving the Lord. You know why? Because each of you have gifts. And if one of you aren't using them, we're going to die. Rejoicing in hope. I could go on and on, but I'm not going to for your sake. I have illustrations for each of them. Patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Watch me in the lobby. We're pregnant. Oh, great. My dog died. Hey, we're going to have a baby. I go from emotion to emotion. I'm going to ask Jesus about this one. I don't know if he knew about the lobby of a church when he wrote that one. Be of the same mind toward one another. In other words, love each other the same kind of way that I just communicated. Do not set your mind on high things. Don't think yourself better than everybody else. Like, I don't, I don't need to do this because I've been here for 30 years. People need to do this to me. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with everyone. Beloved, there it is. Beloved, hijito. We're the beloved. Start acting like it. Now let me say. Oh, gosh. I know. You guys love me well. Now, my wife and I say it all the time. I don't know if there's another pastor on the face of this planet that feels the love that we feel whenever we see you guys. No, I, I'm not just saying that. Like, we feel so loved. There's Todd right over there, him and his precious wife, Joanna. I go to his house and he cuts my hair. And you know why I let him cut my hair? Because I just love to be with him. And he talks the whole time. He doesn't stop. I don't have to say a word. And then I'll go, and he goes into another story. If he hears a word, something, even a sentence, it reminds him of a story. 
And I love it. In fact, I used to get my hair cut once a week. I mean, once a year. My whole life, I get my hair cut once a year. Now I go every three weeks just so I can hang out with Todd. Listen. Now, some of you are going, well, why don't you come to my house? Be loving. You guys do a great job of loving us. Here's what I'm asking you to do. Could you guys love each other the way that you love Andre and I? In the parking lot? Like when you see us, your world lights up. When you see each other, like you don't even know each other, because most of you don't know me. But when I see you, your world lights up, and I can't tell you what it makes me feel like. How about when you're walking out? One of your brothers and sisters, you may not know them, but they're your family. And you just love them the way you love us. Now, if you don't love us, this is not a practical lesson for you. <laughs> Let's give it a shot. Let's represent our God to this world. And let's start by doing it at this church. So this Sunday, you're the Thursday crew. You see someone sitting by themselves. Even if you start walking to them and they look at you like you got cooties. (laughs) Love them. Love always wins. Isn't that right, beloved? Let's pray. Father. I'm so grateful for Calvary Chapel, South Bay. And I'm just looking around, and now it's not faces, it's names. It's people that I can call friends, family. So, Lord, make us a family, a real family. Let there not be a stranger amongst us. Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening, and we hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions or just want to check us out, make sure to visit us at ccsouthbay.org. God bless you guys, and we'll see you next week.